Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Or you can be seated. Go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, the book of Philippians, I believe. Yes. Philippians. We are starting a new message series today between now and uh, Resurrection Sunday. It's called Journey to the Cross. We're going to say amen. Yeah, come on, that's good. That's good, right? Journey to the Cross. One class, we all clap. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, um, I don't know how many of you uh, were raised in church. I, I was not raised in church, but I had an innate uh, knowledge of God. My whole childhood, right? Like I knew, like I knew uh, the framework of the gospel, right? Like you, you see John three three sixteen enough at sports games, and uh, you hear it enough, uh, and that that you know, you know, God loved the world, He gave His Son, Jesus is the Messiah. You you innately know these things in a kind of carnal way, right? Like you know it, like you know what an atomic bomb is but you have no idea how an atomic bomb works, right? Like, you couldn't... Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you know that water comes out, the C is cold, and the H is hot, but you're not exactly sure how it gets there. Right? You, you, you know this, uh, but, 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 but you don't know it. I remember taking mission teams to uh, uh, Nicaragua, and, uh, you know, in Nicaragua it doesn't say C and H. Right, it'll it'll say F for frio, right, and uh, and 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 then it'd, and then it'd be a different letter, C for caliente, C, and so people would be twisting it, wondering why the water is so hot with the cold, and it's so if the cold is that hot, how hot is the hot? And so mission teams would be taking showers in all hot water. Because they're too scared to turn on the other one. Because they just know C is cold. And H is hot. There's, there's no H. There's only cold. Like we know things, but we don't actually know them. And then you get to tell mission teams things like, hey, you know, when you go to another country, they speak a different language. And they use different letters. Like those letters mean something. But in our mind, C doesn't mean cold. It just means that, you know, I put on a bunch of the H and I put it in a little C and then I take a shower, right? Like, well, like, how did this actually happen? That was the gospel for me, right? Like, I knew that Jesus Christ was the Savior. I knew He was the Son of God. I didn't, I didn't put a lot of thought into it. Uh, I kind of, I kind of knew it. Um, but, but uh, I knew the gospel, but I didn't know the God of the gospel, right? I, I knew the gospel, but I had never actually met the one who is the good news, right? So I knew it cognitively, but I had never actually experienced God. And then, you know, in college, uh, after I was in the military, I got, uh, I had a sovereign encounter with the Lord, and uh, the fire of God touched my life. And, uh, you know, everybody has an argument until the fire of God falls on you, right? Everybody has a theology until the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Everybody knows everything about God until God comes and decides to wreck your life and all of a sudden shows you that He's God and you're not, right? And then, and then you have your arguments, you have your theological thoughts, you sit around and say, well, I believe this about God and I believe that about God. And then God shows up real. And when God shows up real, your arguments don't really matter, right? You know, there's that famous line by Mike Tyson, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. 
then all of a sudden you're like, well, that plan maybe didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Right? It's like, like, and, and then so everybody knows everything they need to know about God, and then God shows up. And then God shows up and wrecks what you know to be God. And this, once you meet Him, you understand this is going to be the pattern of God for the rest of your life. You think you know God, and then God shows up. And then you know Him. And, 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 and we, we like, especially in the West, in, in America, especially us in the church, we have to reorient ourselves to who the real Jesus is. So the Jesus I needed when I first got saved is not the same Jesus I need right now. I, 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 my wife, uh, my, my, my wife is, is overjoyed this morning, not because she missed church. She's actually serving with the babies right now, and my wife loves babies, right? So like she loves babies. If you have a baby and you ever want someone to come hang out with you in the middle of the day, she will give up whatever work she has to come help. My wife loves some babies, right? And she wants to baby our children, which is great until they're not babies anymore, and then they hate it, right? Because that is not the same mom they need at 20 that they needed in pre-K, right? And so the Jesus I needed in, in, in pre-K, uh, my new believer Jesus just wanted me to know, hey, guess what? I just need you to know that I'm real and I'm in charge. I'm real. I'm now, now the Jesus I need. I need a whole another Jesus. I need to be reoriented to the real Jesus for me right now. And I feel like the church in America needs to be reoriented to the real Jesus. Then now, 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 if you grew up in church and you're expecting now comes where I beat you up and tell you you're terrible, that's not where we're going. All right, so just relax, take a deep breath, let the let the let the trauma come off your life. Like, there's whole branches of Christianity where you just go to get beat up. Like, yeah, I need to be told how terrible I am. Yeah, I needed that. I'm like, no, that's a kink, right? Like, I don't want a kink shame, but that's not what church is for, right? Like, we don't need to get beat up for Jesus, right? Holy Spirit will lead you lovingly into the truth, right? But, 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 you know, the, the, the church, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to beat up on the church because church is God's plan for the world, right? God has chosen the church. Don't let anybody lie to you. God has chosen the church to be his agent to reach the world. And does the church need reformation? Absolutely. Does the church need a reorientation towards justice? Completely. But is church still the bride of Jesus? Yes. Yes. And there's a whole wave of the devil riding on accusations against the bride of Christ. And as a man who's been married 22 years, you can find lots of reasons, if you focus on them, to not like your spouse. And then you step back and you say, but this is my spouse. The good so far outweighs the bad that I'm not going anywhere. And that is the bride of Christ. You want to be close to Jesus and reject His bride, this is not going to work out, right? But we do need a reorientation, right? And, and, and I, want, I, want, I want to live the life that Jesus has for me. How about you? Here, I want to ask you one more time. I want to live the life that Jesus has for me. How about you? I, 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 I want to lead it. I, I, I want to live in this life the way Jesus wants me to live. And that does not mean that I want to be some sort of drone. I don't want to be some sort of mindless robot 
uh, uh, with no, I mean, like God, God created Isaac with Isaac's personality. God loves who Isaac is. Amen? God created Damien with Damien's personality. He loves who Damien is, right? God sees Damien's skin color. God is not racially ambiguous, right? He sees you. He sees that you're white. He sees that you're brown. He sees that you're black. He sees that you love weird music, right? Like, he sees that, right? I, he gets that, right? Like, like but, but at the same point, God has a will. And I want you to know this today. If you come away with nothing else, I want you to know the will of God can be done in your life. The will of God can be done in your life. He sent the Holy Ghost that you can fulfill His will. God can be followed and God's will can be done. Uh, so many people who walk away from Christianity, who walk away from Jesus, who walk away from the church, nine times out of ten, it's from disappointment and hurt. They expected God to do something. They expected the church to do something. They expected this something to happen. It didn't happen. And we blame God and we break up with Him. And the challenge with that is He's still God. He's still God and we're not. And, and what we need to do is when God, and I, I, we've all gone through seasons of suffering, and when we are challenged theologically by uh, a dissonance between what we see God doing and what we expected, we need to reorient our expectations to who Jesus is, not come into judgment against God because He didn't do what we expected Him to do. This is how we get God's will in our lives. We line up with God. We don't find a God that lines up with us. Amen. Amen. This is what we do. And, 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 and I tell you, you, me, and the Holy Ghost, we can fulfill God's, God's plan. We just need community, we need God, and we need a willing spirit. And we can fulfill the will of God in our lives. And what we want to do as a church, we want to be a prophetic witness to this world that God is into social justice, He's into holiness, He's into protecting the hurting, He's into healing the sick, He's into giving hope to the hopeless. He's into the downcast. He's into the abused. Like, He is into people who want to come out of oppression and come under the loving Lordship of Jesus Christ. Like, this is a prophetic witness in the world. A prophetic witness is not saying uh, these crazy false prophecies about Russia and Ukraine and this false prophetic witness that we see in the world. Like, th this is not God. God says, hey, do you see someone being oppressed? That's where you'll find Jesus. Like, if you, amen, if you want to encounter God, go with Mike to feed the hungry. Go find some poor people and clothe them. If you want to see Jesus, find somebody that you know who lives in depression and give them the good news of Jesus Christ. I promise you the Holy Ghost of God will be there. I promise you the Holy Ghost of God will be there. Jesus is in the saving souls. Even our souls. Jesus is in the saving souls. This is where you find His Spirit at work. Okay, I'm going long. I've got to hurry up. I've got a lot to cover here. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 3. And, 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 and what we're doing in the next couple weeks is we are preparing for Easter. We are preparing for Resurrection Sunday. We're preparing for the Passion of Christ. We're preparing for His sacrifice, His, 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 his death, 
His burial, and His glorious resurrection. And then we're going to prepare for Pentecost, the sending of the Spirit. But the problem is, we often forget that we need any of this. We preach a gospel that says that once you got it, you got it, and the work is done. And I'm here to let you know that is not what Jesus said. It's not the words of Jesus. It's not the words of the apostles. It's not the words of the church fathers. And it's not the word for us today. It's not a one and done. It's a I need you daily, Jesus. It's a I need you today, Jesus. I need today's daily bread. Okay, let's get into the word. Philippians chapter 3. We're starting in verse 17. This is Paul, of course, talking to the church in Philippi. And I'm reading it out of the NIV just because it's, I want to go quickly through this. He says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. Leave this up here for a minute if you would. Join together in following my example, brothers. Now, this, this could sound like such a prideful statement if you didn't understand Paul. Like, he's like, hey, you want to you serve Jesus? F- follow, follow my example. Like, Paul is letting them know, listen, you can fulfill the will of God. You can actually walk with God. He, he's not saying that of pride. What he's saying is, this is a trustworthy statement that Jesus Christ is knowable and His will can be done. And Paul says, I have been faithful to the call of God in my life. Of course, he's in prison He's suffering for Jesus, and he's saying, listen, I know what it means to follow him, and I have an example for you to follow so that you can come in to God's plan for your life. He says, take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. There's, um, there's so much idolatry in our society. There's idolatry in the church. There's idolatry in the world. And we don't we don't call it idolatry. But the goal of following these people who went before us is that they show us how to follow Jesus. I love reading the testimony of revivalists that have gone by. I love reading the testimonies of D.L. Moody and, and Charles Finney and, 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 and even the, the great works done during the Reformation and Luther and, and Hun. And I, I, I love showing because these people show us what, what, what's it possible if you're actually a follower of Christ, what you can accomplish in this lifetime? What, 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 what could my little life do to affect the world if I were just to surrender to the good news of Jesus Christ? I, I like the Orthodox Church in that they, they keep pictures of, of, of faithful witnesses around. And, and just as memories, as part of like, hey, this is part of the cloud of witnesses, there is actually an ability to follow Jesus Christ with your life and serve Him. You could actually live a life that makes other people know God and come into His knowledge and affect the people around Him. I, I'm thankful that Martin Luther King went to seminary and decided, hey, my father was a faithful witness. I'm going to follow in his footsteps and do something. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that, that, that the abolitionists decided, hey, I read the Gospels, I read the church fathers, and I understand that slavery is not the will of God. I'm going to do something about it. These are people that we can hold in high esteem and say, I'm going to follow this model of being a changer in the world. 
Can you say amen? Are, are you with me this far? Amen. Verse 18, he says, For I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Ouch! Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And I'm going to move quickly, but I, I, want, you to, I want you to get this. This is, this is how we know that Paul can be trusted. Paul can be trusted because as he talks about the enemies of Christ, it brings great grief to him. He, he doesn't say this like preachers who, who like preaching against people. He doesn't say this like gossips who want to split churches or build their own empire. Paul, Paul says like, man, I, I say this with tears in my eyes that there are enemies of the cross of Christ. What, what Paul is saying is what, what could be intimated, what, what could be, what could be, what could be um, followed and, and, and what, what, what can be um, copied is that you can live a life of loving like Jesus loves. And loving like Jesus means grieving like Jesus grieves. That means having your full body of emotions subject to the will of God. Paul had this devotion to the cross and he had this pain when he sees it that Christ was being crucified again by the sin of the world. His prayers, the prayers of Paul, show his woundedness. He talks about, I bear the marks of the crucifixion, the stigmata. I bear the marks of the cross. And we know he bore those marks in his body even as he was being chained in a, in a dungeon. But at the same point, Paul's life bore the pain that Christ bore for those who were enemies of the cross. But what does Paul mean? There's enemies of the cross of Christ. When we think of enemies of the cross, we think, we think of what Satanists might be doing or, or, or those who would murder Christians. But, but th this isn't what Paul is talking about. Paul, Paul, he says in verse 19, he says, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Their mind is on earthly things. I, 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 I think the problem is the greatest enemies of the cross of Christ are, are not the, the lost. The lost have no effect on the cross. The, the cross is open to the lost. The, those who don't know God, those, those who are in false religions, those who are being trapped by false ideologies and, 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 and enslaved by conquering religions, the, the cross is with them. We know that Jesus is with them. Those, those aren't enemies of the cross. Those are the people Jesus died for. I think, if I could be so bold as to say that the enemies of the cross are those who think they know the cross, yet live a life that is contrary to the message of Jesus. These are the enemies of the cross, those who would neuter the power of the gospel. And even more, those who would use the gospel for earthly gain. Those who twist the message of Jesus for their own good instead of the good of the kingdom. I, I, I want us to think in these days leading up to Easter, who is Jesus? What is the gospel for you? Because if the gospel is a means to something else, then the gospel is an idol. 
It's something that we're using to get something we find more valuable than Jesus. And that's a problem. It's a problem when Jesus is not the number one, but Jesus is the number two that we get the number one. And we fall into this trap so easily. If our heart is not set on Jesus, we fall into this trap so easily. And I don't know about you, but this, 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 this can get at you. Because there is a gospel that is being sold to us today that Jesus is the key to the American dream. That the real goal is the American dream and Jesus is the way to get there. And that's idolatry. If I just serve Jesus the right way, then I can... No, no, no. See, serving Jesus is the end. That is the goal. And whatever else comes shall be added unto you. But seeking the Lord is the number one thing. And if you preach this in America today, people will call you Marxists. They'll call you all kind of crazy things because they're enemies of the cross. Now, I'm going to say this in love, all right? Can I say the you know You have to love me if you want to go to heaven, right? That's just... Let me say this. Put it up, please. If we are uncomfortable, don't blame the truth that made you uncomfortable. Blame the lie that made you... That's supposed to be comfortable, that last word. Change it for me, Anastasia. Take the um enough, the last word there. If we are uncomfortable, don't blame the truth that made you uncomfortable. Blame the lie that made you comfortable. I'm going to say it again. If we are uncomfortable, don't blame the truth that made you uncomfortable. Blame the lie that made you comfortable. Oh, it's okay. You can just go on and do that. It's not a big deal. It don't matter if you do it. Everybody's doing it. No, 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 no. Let God be true and every man be a liar. You say amen. In James 3, amen. In James 3, James talked about there's a wisdom that's above and there's a wisdom that comes from below. And we think that wisdom that comes from below means like, you know, sacrifice your children and, and you know, whatever we might think that the worst sin is. And no, no, the wisdom that comes from below is sensual. The wisdom that comes from below says, hey, however you can get ahead, that's okay. The wisdom that comes from above says, listen, serve God with your life. And then God will bring you into the God life. The wisdom that comes from below says, hey, you can figure this out on your own, and maybe God can help you with some of it. That's the wisdom from below. It's sensual. It's, it's earthly. It's, it, it's fleshly. It's, it's not the wisdom of God. It's, it's evil working with our thoughts against the wisdom of God. It's our own. Are, 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 are we together here? Are we tracking it all? If I, I, okay, because I feel like I'm preaching better than you're feeding me here. That's why I, just, I, just, I feel like this is good. See, evil works with our thoughts against the wisdom of God. Our, our mind comes up with something. And then and, and we say, like, uh, well, this looks like a good plan. I know God's not coming through. Maybe he's waiting for me to come through. And it works against God's plan. God says, hey, stay still and wait for me. And you're like... Maybe I just need to help out a little bit. That is the wisdom from below. I, I, need to, I need to do something for God. And see, temptation has these earthly ways of thinking that are at odds with the wisdom of God. Earthly thinking, this carnal thinking, this 
sensual thinking that I need to go ahead and do this, or because it feels good, it must be God, or because it makes sense to me, it must be God, or I, I really want this, therefore it must be from God. This, this, is, this is the way Paul says this juxtaposition, and we see it all through Scripture. There's the, the way of death, and there's a way of life. We know that there's a way of, of, of destruction and there's a way to blessing. And we know the way of life is far more narrow than the way to destruction. Amen. Friends of the cross who live the way of Jesus, they live the Sermon on the Mount life. And that is against the way of the world that says, get yours now. The enemies of the cross are those who live against the wisdom of God, who live according to the ways of the world. These are the enemies of the cross. The, the cross says, listen, die to what you want. Give up your life and serve Jesus. The mind of Scripture, as we read the Bible together, as, as we go and we get the big story, as we get the big story of who God is and what He's trying to do in our lives, as we, as we read enough to understand the mind of Scripture, as we as we sit in prayer to find the mind of God. This is against the mind of the world. The more we live in the Scriptures and understand the big stories of what God is doing, we find out that the narrative that we get from the world is completely against the mind of God. We, I mean, we see this all over. We've, we've taught about this time and again, over and over in the Scriptures. The, the people of God are like, man, we're supposed to follow God, but we've got to figure out how to get some crops growing here. I mean, we totally love Jesus. Well, well they didn't say Jesus. They, we totally love Yahweh. We love the one true God. We declare the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. But we still need some crops. So how about we just set up one astro pole? How about we just do one, one sacrifice to Baal? I mean, just one. I mean, we just need one bit of rain. Just one, one, one sacrifice ought to do, right? Like, I just, what's, 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 you know, I mean, do we have to go to church? Like, I mean, I could be doing something. It's not that important, is it? I mean, God, you said no other gods, but, you know, one other god can't be that bad, right? Here's the problem that we get into. We, we read the Scriptures, and we don't read the Scriptures like it's a mirror testing us. We look at the Scriptures like a history book to see how they messed up. We read the Scriptures saying, how could the disciples be so stupid? Instead of letting the Scriptures read us and say, man, wh wh where have I fallen short? If these people who had Elijah missed it, how am I missing it? These people who walked with Jesus and saw Him walk on the water, they missed it. And we judge them as if we're getting it better than they did. I mean, we could probably use a little more humility, right? Like, 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 and, and let me tell you this. We need a little more humility because we don't really understand grace. We, we, we just don't understand it. We, we, like, we got this thing like, like, I got saved, and now Jesus expects me to be Messiah, and I'm perfect, and I'm going to go save some other people. And Jesus is like, mm, that's not how it works exactly. See, I, I see, in before time started, I was the Messiah. Before there ever was creation, I was the son of Mary. You're like, I don't understand that. He's like, see, I'm God. And you will need me forever. And you're like, no, 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 but I got saved, so now I'm, I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint, and I've preached that. And, and then I read the book. And uh, aren't you thankful that Jesus told us to ask for forgiveness of sins 
every day. Every day. Like every single day. And you're like, oh, I can't believe I'm still bitter with this person. I'm, I'm, oh, I just need to be able to drop that. Isn't it great that Jesus knew that every single day you would have to repent of judging other people? Every day. Like every day you would need to do that. Forgive me my sins while I forgive those who sin against me. I know I asked yesterday, but it's a new day. More sin. I just, I, aren't you thankful? I'm thankful that, I mean, like Jesus, like, go sin no more. And every day ask for forgiveness for sin. I mean, this is, this, 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 this is our God. He repeatedly tells us to choose life and not death. And I was having conversations with people this week in my life group, which meets Wednesday nights at 7.30. Is it 7.30? 7.30. On, on, you know, you want to join. We still have room. Uh, we were talking this week uh, about purity culture. And if you're not familiar with purity culture, just say, woohoo, thank you, Jesus, right? And so this purity culture is, is really kind of, an, is kind of a, a, a wisdom from below way of trying to live a holy life, right? It, a purity culture looks something like this. Um, uh, men should be holy, therefore women should not ever be attractive. And if women are attractive, men will fall, and therefore we all need to act really weird and act like we don't actually have hormones uh, and that we're never actually sexual beings until we get married, and then we flip a switch and we become sexual beings. Uh, and, and, and it's just a weird, weird way of viewing our humanity. And we put most of the weight on women, right? And almost none of the condemnation on men who, who would lure a woman, right? Like, and, and, and so in reaction to this, this really bad doctrine of, of women being responsible for men being holy, um, people just give up all sexual ethics. Like, oh, purity culture is bad. It doesn't matter. We can, I'm like, whoa, whoa. It's, it's not like, you know, either I drive 10 miles under the speed limit or I drive 150 in a school zone. Like, let's, how about we find the mind of God? Let's, let's I mean, I understand that, you know, wearing a long dress or, you know, like, I, that, that's not going to make you holy. But at the same point, let, let, let's desire to be holy. Let, let, us, let us desire to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord, and, 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 and let's try to give up desires that go against the desires of God. And what I would say in this road to the resurrection, this road to the crucifixion, as we talked last week about, you know, in this season of, of, of prayer and, and fasting and, and, and giving alms or giving to the poor, um, it's not just a, a season of feeling bad about yourself. It's a season of, number one, recognizing your humanity and that I have issues and I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to sanctify me. But also, we need to, in this season, like, say, God, search my heart. What, what are the desires of my heart and where did they come from? What are the desires of my heart and where did they come from? This is important. You will find in marriage... Uh, most people, and we talk about this, a lot of people know what their spouse needs to change, but they don't know themselves. Right? We come into a marriage thinking that we know how things are to be done, and we also know that our spouse is doing it wrong. Right? But we don't recognize what motivates ourselves in that relationship, or why our buttons are getting pushed, or why our triggers are exploding. We don't understand ourselves, and we need to sit with God sit with the Scriptures and figure out what our real desires are. And this is the beauty of fasting. Fasting helps us deny the belly from being Lord. Watch this, verse 20. 
Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Now, a lot of people like throw that off into the millennium or whatever, but I'm believing that we could be transformed here and now. That by the denying of ourselves and by the work of the Holy Spirit and by living in the Scriptures and living lives of spiritual discipline, we can be transformed in the image of Christ. We can live a life where we can write a letter and say, hey, you want to follow Jesus? He's like, why don't you just come and follow me around a little bit? Why don't, you just live, why don't we just live life together a little bit and you'll see how to follow Jesus? We don't get so focused on what we do wrong and how we're missing it that we say, don't, don't bother. I, you know, I've been following Jesus for 20 years, but you know, don't follow me you know, because I get some, some, some crazy thoughts. No, no, no. We, we live a life recognizing, you know, I've learned to follow him. And you, and you can follow me. And this, this you know, we, 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 we fall in the traps of sin. We, we, we fall into um, cycles of sin. And we fall into lifestyles that fall short of God's glory. And, and I want, for some of you, I want this to click. Sin is a failure of our imagination. Sin, means, sin is, when, is when we're in a situation and we cannot come up with a righteous alternative, so we sin. It's a failure to have a sanctified imagination that says God has a way out of this situation that glorifies Him. God has a way in this setting right here that I can be holy and I can look like Jesus to the person in front of me. I can, I can conduct my body in, in a way uh, that, that, that glorifies God. It's a, it's a failure of, of a renewed mind to see that God has a way of escape in this situation. You say amen. We need this glory because Jesus has the power to bring all things into alignment with His will. There is a worldly thinking that stops the work of God. Are, are, we, are, we, are we good still? You've got a couple more minutes in you. Is this, is this working at all for you? Come on, I, I, want, I want something to be happening. Amen. Amen. And Paul finishes up this little section in Philippians 4.1. He says, Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord. You see this emotion that's in him. He's weeping for those who are enemies of the cross. He's rejoicing with those who are teachable. They're standing firm in the hope that Jesus brings everything together in God's will. We have to come into our care of the world in alignment with the Sermon on the Mount. We have to live this Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. Luke 13.31. Excuse me. Luke, yeah, Luke 13.31. Here's, here's what Paul writes. Excuse me, Luke writes. He writes about this interaction with the Pharisees. <clears throat> he says, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. And, and we have this, you know, as I said before, we do this characterization of, of the Pharisees, that they're these wicked, evil people. And, you know, they're out there to consume everybody. But, but they're actually trying to live the will of God through earthly wisdom. They, they figured out a power structure and they superimposed God into their power structure. And they actually warned Jesus here. Right? And so it says, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. But he says, go tell that fox. I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I'll reach my goal. In any case, 
I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. You see, these Pharisees are telling Jesus what to do because the Pharisees are operating out of earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom says Jesus needs to go hide from Herod. But Jesus, Jesus, he treated the poor and the sick and the outcasts with dignity. But he would never dignify Herod or Pilate or Caiaphas. He wouldn't dignify any of their counsel. He wouldn't dignify their authority. He would not dignify their place in society. Jesus Christ knew the will of God, and he would not bow to earthly wisdom. They, 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 they called Herod uh, the lion. That was what Herod called himself. But Jesus here called him a fox. You go tell that fox. He's no lion. I know the lion. I am the lion. He is not the lion. He's, he's, he's making fun of their leader. Jesus had no problem mocking earthly wisdom. Are you tracking with me here? We, let, we, set the, <clears throat> we look at the wrong things to set our lives by. There, there, was, a, there, was, a, there was a reality star. Oh, I shouldn't even bring this up. <clears throat> An influencer. Like, I, I don't know if that's a good thing, right? There's lots of influencers. Most of them shouldn't be influencing anything, right? Or at least you shouldn't be influenced by them. And many of the people who should be influencing your lives you haven't met yet. Right? Because they're not on social media. But there's an influencer who said, you know, people don't want to work anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to shame, but I really don't want to shame. But people who were born with privilege, they actually think they earned their privilege. They actually think they did something in, to get to that place of privilege, even when they, when they openly sinned to get that base, place of privilege. <clears throat> Somebody knows what I'm talking about here. But people in privilege like that, this, this is the earthly wisdom. This is the wisdom from below. I am over other people, and I deserve to be over other people because I earned it. No, you, no, that's not how privilege works. You know who was born privileged? Jesus. What did he do with that privilege? He served the least. That's what privilege is for. This is what godly resources are for. This is why God blesses you. And when God blesses you, when He puts His hand on your life and blesses your business, and then you decide to be unfaithful with the grace of God on your life to serve His church, to serve His people, to serve the least, you become, we become an enemy of the cross. We do not recognize that we put ourselves in the place of privilege that only God should put us there, except we think we deserve it, and now we get to sit there. You see, we, we, we cross over from the, from the land of the oppressed, being blessed into the one hoarding God's resources and not giving it to those He blessed us to be a blessing to. But we don't recognize it. We think we deserve it. And so these people, they, they think that he's the, he's, the, he's the lion, but Jesus says that fox. We look at the wrong things. This is, this is, this is what, what the Bible calls false glory. It's the glory of people. It's what people want to lift up and praise. It's false glory. It's opposite of the glory of God. It's what Jesus has against Herod and the religious people of the day. Jesus said, hey, pray for every day your daily bread. He didn't say pray for your daily desire. 
Give us this day our daily bread, not my daily lust. Not, not, not my daily what's going to make me feel good about who I am. It's my daily bread. What is it that I need today, Lord Jesus? Provide that for me today. We have to make sure our lives are not being shaped by ways of this world, but being shaped by the cross and the life of Jesus. And I've got to tell you, there is, you are, as soon as you decide that I am going to be a follower of Christ, and I am going to let the cross dictate my life, you become an enemy of the world. You all of a sudden stop celebrating what they celebrate. You all of a sudden start desiring things other than what they desire. You become a friend of the cross and an enemy of the world. Not in some religious way where you're cursing the world, but in a way that the peer pressure of the world is something that you openly reject. And you're known to be a person who rejects the ways of the world. Is, is this landing? Paul, Paul's rebuke of those who are against the cross, you know, it, they came out of painful cries of intercession. We know that Paul was an intercessioner. He's crying out an intercession for those who are against the cross. And he's crying out intercession for those that he later says are crucifying the Lord again. This is painful to him. It hurts him. It's it causes him to have tears. And we see the same in Jesus. As, as Jesus brings this accusation against Herod, he goes into intercession because of his grief over what's happening to his people. Verse 34 here in Luke. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Come up if you would. And so Jesus is crying for Jerusalem. And here's what he's saying. If you won't be gathered by the hen, you will be devoured by the fox. But the world thinks they can escape this. But we know it is not possible. It is not possible. There is one Lord. And there is an enemy. There is a way of the cross. And there is a way that leads to destruction. And, and, and on that cross is a Savior with outstretched arms. These are the wings of God trying to gather like a hen the lost. Saying, come, come, come. And he tells Israel here in verse 35, Look, your house has left you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until I say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham, he asked God, you know, how will I know? How will I know that you'll be my God? How? Have you ever wondered that? Like, God, how will I know? And God says to um. God says to Abraham in verse 9 of Genesis 15, he says, look, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, three years old. He says, bring, 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 these, bring these things. And then he, interesting here, I don't have time to teach on it, but God doesn't actually say to sacrifice them, but Abraham does. And uh, he sacrifices them probably with a lot of skill, opens them up and cleans them out and brings them as a, as, as a sacrifice, it's an, as, an, as an offering. He prepares them. 
lays him out before God, and the Bible says he, he falls asleep. He goes to go to sleep, but uh, it says in verse 11, Then birds of the prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. The story follows that Abraham's in this sleep, and um, God comes down in the midst of the offering between the two sets of of the bull, and they walk through the offering, and God makes this covenant with Abraham in the midst. But two things, uh, you stand with me if you would. Two things I want you to get out of this, then we'll pray and I'll let you go home. Before the Lord came and made this covenant with Abraham, the Bible says that these birds of prey came down on the carcasses. Abraham drove them away. We know that the the devil is the prince of the power of the air. And I'm seeing in this season so many people, the enemy has come down on their offering and is devouring it. They set their life as a sacrifice and yet the enemy has come now. The enemy has come to steal the sacrifice that was holy to God. But earthly wisdom says, maybe I should be feeding the birds. But the Lord hasn't shown up. The Lord hasn't shown up and given wisdom and they result to earthly wisdom and, and the, the very, like the, like, the, like the offering was precious. It cost them their lives. Some people, years of their lives. Some people, they gave up significant things for God and it became an offering, yet they did not keep the birds of prey away because they could not discern between good and evil. And as evil has come and stolen their sacrifice, But Abraham was wise enough to keep the devil away. And the Bible says he falls under this deep sleep. Listen, friend. I don't know know where you're at today. But first I want to speak to those of you who have given an offering to the Lord and have not seen the Lord come and walk with you in the midst of it yet. Come on, I feel like I'm talking to somebody. That, 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 that you have been waiting on the Lord to show up. That, you, that you've been faithful to God. That you had encounters in years gone by. That, that, that you've gotten promises from Jesus. That you are waiting for Him faithfully. You've been working the work. You've been talking the talk. You've been letting Him transform you on the inside. The Holy Ghost of God has been evident in your life, but you haven't seen the breakthrough yet. I'm here to let you know, you've got to look out for the enemy to steal the sacrifice. You've got to be faithful in the waiting. You've got to be, be see what the enemy is doing and not resort to the wisdom of this world to let things come to pass, but say, God in His perfect timing will come and He will walk with me through the midst of the offering. I will not allow my life to feed the plans of the enemy, though. Can you say amen? I will not allow what I have sacrificed to God give power to the devil against his church, against his plan. I refuse to become an enemy of the cross. I refuse to become an enemy of the cross. The Bible says, 
text that as the sun was setting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a, watch this, thick and dreadful darkness came over him. You want to come into God's will? You want to know the mysteries of heaven? You want to see what God's plans are for your life? You better be ready to enter into some dreadful darkness. Listen, this is the darkness of creation. This is the darkness that God steps out of and creates the world. This is the darkness where God dwells and steps forward and makes a covenant with Abraham that says, I shall bless your descendants more than the stars in the sky. This is the blessing of God that changes the history of the world. But it comes to a man and a woman who is at peace with standing in the dreadful darkness, not knowing what God is doing in the season of testing, willing to surrender on a cross. You say, I am not a sinner, yet I'm being sacrificed next to sinners. They're bringing accusation against me. My family mocks me and says, where is your God now? But I'm willing to stand firm in the darkness and say, my God is faithful. My God keeps promises. My God is a deliverer. My God is a God that cannot lie. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus where you do not know what He is doing in your life, you come under the shadow of His wing. Oh, I feel the anointing. And that, my friend, is where God makes covenants. This is where God makes promises that no man can keep. But God is able. This, this happens in, in, in a life of prayer. It happens in, in yieldedness. But hear me, it happens on purpose. It does not happen by accident. What God is looking to do, in, wow, in your life, wow, in this next season, He's not looking for sacrifices. He's not, he's not looking for sacrifice he's never desired. What he's looking for you to do is make room for God in your desires. He's looking for you to sanctify your imagination for him. He's looking for you to say, God, I, 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 I may not know what you're doing, yet I will still trust you. We're going to sing a song real quick, but I just, I just feel at this moment, I just, I feel this is a holy moment. Hear me. You may feel the beginnings of a great and dreadful darkness. Oh, friend, God is waiting there for you. God is waiting for you in the, in the season of trial and the testing. You may not know where God is leading you. You may wonder if God's even at work in your life. But I'm here to tell you, He sent me here today to let you know He has not forgotten what He has told you. He has not forgotten the promises He's laid on your life. He has not forgotten. But we are in a season of reorientation. Come on. Make noise if you need to. Come on, connect with God. We are in a season of reorientation.
We had intercession here Sunday night. We talked about a prophetic word the house had received. The word was so clear, and we all got it wrong. Even when God, I mean, even when Jesus spoke to the disciples plainly, they didn't understand it. We got to make room in our hearts to say, I heard your promise. I grabbed onto it with my understanding. And if my understanding of the promise was wrong, I'm not going to blame you. But I'm willing to be willing to change. So today I will tell you again, He is worthy. That you would lay down your life afresh at the feet of Jesus. Even the things that you believe from Him. I will surrender it today. Come on, sing that again. Let's sing it out loud. Come on. moment right now, I don't want to drag this out, but there's people in this room, you need to walk in some forgiveness. This is not a mean word. This is a, you got to release that. You thought that they were going to do something for you. You thought God was going to do something. And you have been in the darkness, the dreadful darkness, because you did not know what was happening. And you need to release it. That offense is not going to get you where God has you. And you can do it right where you're at, or you can come forward. You can do what you need to do, but you need to react to this word so you can leave the offense here. Leave it at the altar where God can deal with it. He is worthy of your obedience and your trust. Come on. Let's sing it again. Come on. Give it an offering to Jesus. Come on, sing it, sing it. Come on, come on, yield, yield, yield to Jesus. Yield your life. Let it be transformed to the cross. Jesus Christ, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I pray as we prepare, as we walk on this journey to the cross, Lord, we thank you that you are walking with us. We pray that you will continue to meet us in our times of prayer. Meet us in our times of fasting and intercession. 
that we can be friends of the cross in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. Listen, tell people the good news about Jesus. Invite them to a place where they can encounter God. Be a place of encounter. Serve the Lord. Serve Him right here at church. Be a friend of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Give a clap for our friend of the Lord. We thank you for all that you've done, Jesus. And we thank you that you'll continue to move in our lives. In the name of Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Listen, before you leave, hug two people and let them know you're going to make it. You are going to make it. You are going to make it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.